Welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Noelle. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we're missing Alicia and Annie, but we have a guest speaker with us today. Tiffany, I'll let her tell us most of her story, but she is a convert to Catholicism, and she now has a blog, so I'll go ahead and let Tiffany tell us a little bit about herself, and then thanks for coming. No, my family was um, nominally Christian. Um, that I, I grew up thinking that they were ultra-Christian, but I didn't really like, I didn't really know anyone more so, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. We didn't go to church. I only went like a few times in my life as a kid. And I think like once was with a neighbor. Um, my mom took me a few times when she was like shopping around for churches, but um, didn't find one she liked, I guess. Other than that, you know, we celebrated like Christmas and Easter, but it was really like, um, there wasn't really any talk of religion during that, except like my mom had a nativity scene. But yeah, no, I knew that my parents were Christian. I knew that we were supposed to be Christian. I had a few children's Bibles. No one ever read them to me or anything. I just so they were there with all of the books. I didn't know that it was supposed to be real. <laughs> like I just thought they were stories. That's all I really knew about Christianity. I didn't know much at all. Uh, did your family pray at all together? No. When you were lo- when you would look at these uh, stories or picture books, or just like it's absolutely you just talk to it like a picture book. Mm-hmm. Did what did you think of God? Like what do you remember any questions you had about God? child just from what you've heard just from the basic bible stories not really um i just thought they were fiction until my mom started taking me to church just like those couple of times um and i remember and i don't know when this um but at some point we were driving home from church and i was in the back seat and i asked her how do you know god is real if you can't see him I think that was the first time like I really realized they were trying to teach me truth you know wow. and, and I started questioning it very young <laughs> I've always been a skeptic <laughs> so um and she told me something like you know you can't see electricity you know but you but that's real and so that kind of shut me up but it didn't like it didn't remove my doubts because well for one I had been electrocuted as a child. child. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Here, that's my <laughs> yeah. Well, I stuck keys in a socket, so, um, uh, you know, so I knew pretty well that electricity yeah, <laughs> was a thing. That does, yeah. Yeah. So then what, what happened when you were in high school? Is that when you kind of started moving towards atheism? Or when was that kind of... Or do you mm-hmm. feel like you had gravitated before it, but were finally able to articulate, I am an atheist? Like, what... Uh, actually, there was kind of a middle stage. Um, um, in about eighth grade, I had a friend who got me into Wicca, into the occult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started you know, messing around with that and you know, spells and things like that. Yeah. Kind of got me into the more rebellious phase of my life. You know, and I, I took off from there. I became very rebellious, like you know, dressing goth. And you know, I stopped wanting to go to church or to, you know, not that we went all that often, but mm-hmm. I stopped wanting to go to family gatherings, like I started really like kind of shunning my family, which I feel terrible about now, but 
right. some great people. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just got really rebellious at that point, and it must have been like the occult influence mm-hmm. on me, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's making a big comeback too. That we're gonna have to do that for a later yes, podcast. Yes, we get to talk a lot about that. I have. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that you attribute that now, looking back as an adult, directly to rebellion. Mm-hmm. Like that was sort of your gateway to rebellious everything. Yeah, I think so. I was a really shy, anxious. Um, now, no, yeah, <laughs> I'm a child. I was really shy and anxious as yeah. a child. I felt really uncomfortable in my skin all the time, and it just I didn't know why, and it made me mad. And like, my family's kind of like they joke around and tease each other, and I took that stuff really personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I would just really internalize that stuff and and get more and more angry inside mm-hmm. me, and then just take it out on them. I don't think I ever really did anything. I just like retreated into myself. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting though, because one of the things that I think is the draw too. Wicca is that spiritual hunger, mm-hmm. the feeling like you're not you're not getting that spiritual hunger fed, and so you kind of take matters into your own hands yeah, to start trying to, exactly. to do that. So even though it's like we always are like, oh no, stay away, it's devil. It, in in a way, it's that same hunger of Adam and Eve had, like mm-hmm. to be in control. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And so that's an interesting part of your journey that that really is kind of maybe where that hunger really started to manifest, even if you didn't recognize it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) Um, But it definitely, it was my first experience of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Like, it was my first experience of prayer. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of how I learned to pray, sadly. (laughs) A ritual. Um, Mm-hmm. praying to the wrong gods <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly ritual and the incense and all that kind of stuff that kind of I don't know just takes you out of all of your difficulties and lets you focus on something else for a while yeah uh, so yeah that was that had a very powerful influence on me mm-hmm. when did that start to turn sour for you when did it start to kind of when did you start to leave that behind or realize that, 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 that this was destructive in your um, life so that was in eighth grade, and then at the, like, maybe that summer or something, I moved away, and I went to a brand new high school, and it was really hard on me as, like, the shy kid, um, not having any friends there or anything, and so, like, I I started to connect with the other people there who were kind of like me, who were kind of weird and off and dressed different, <laughs> and so I gravitated towards them, and, like, they were into some of them were into like occult practices and stuff like that. But they were more into just goofing around being teenagers at that point. And so like, that's kind of what I got into too. It's like, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I just stopped thinking about it for a while, but I still was like, thought it was cool. That was neat. Um, but then I just stopped believing in it just gradually over time. It's just like, none of the spells ever worked, you know, like, why would I? <laughs> yeah. I just, my skepticism started coming back as I, you know, got away from just like the excitement of it. So when did you start looking into the Catholic Church? That's way later. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went through um, a period of so agnosticism, just not really mm-hmm. believing in anything after all that. I was kind of like later teenage years and getting into college. Right before college, I started dating an atheist and hanging out with his atheist friends. 
Um, and, you know, I would have debates with them on what was better, atheism or agnosticism. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so talking... Yeah. Just curious. I mean, I felt like... No, <laughs> <laughs> no they won. They, they convinced me. Um, that, like, I started reading books out of the New Atheist Movement, like Richard Dawkins and stuff like that. Yeah. The God Delusion. Um, finally, I think it was a discussion with one of my one of my atheist friends who basically was just like, who taught me the difference between, you know, belief and knowledge. You know, agnosticism is talking about what you know, you don't know. Whereas atheism is a belief, you don't believe. And so that was kind of the line where he's just like, so... You know, you could be agnostic either if you're a Christian or anything. Like, that just means you don't know. What do you actually believe? And I, you know, honestly, I don't even know if he said that or if it was just something like I extrapolated from what he said in my thought process. And I just realized, like, I don't actually believe after all. Reading all this and talking to all these people, like, I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't, none of the magic stuff work. Why was this, why would this be real? Was religion um, talked about at all in your college classes, and, or it was it more of like a negative um, experience of that? That was the other thing. Like I, I got into, um, I kind of bounced around majors at first. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I started as a math major, and just started taking a bunch of different classes because that intimidated me. Sadly, I should have just stuck with it. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I took an anthropology class and just loved it. And I had this amazing instructor, and he ended up becoming my mentor. And I ended up being, you know, graduating with an anthropology degree. So, mm. you know, yeah, I took a lot of classes studying other people's religions, comparative mythology, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, so I was kind of in this weird place where, you know, in anthropology, they really push relativism, mm-hmm. cultural mm-hmm. relativism. You know, you can't judge other people's cultures from your own perspective, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so. I was kind of in this place where I was wanting to be open-minded and not judging, but also I didn't believe it all. And then I started getting into, um, I had a friend, an atheist friend, invite me to a skeptics group in college. And that was basically like, we'd do skeptics in the pub every week. And we'd get together and we'd talk about science and philosophy uh, and make fun of religion. sometimes do that. Yeah, I was going to say, I do that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Theology on Tap in college, we did, we did that too. <laughs> so I got really involved in the skeptics group and like pushed my atheism even further, you know. Um, and then I moved to Oklahoma and my ex-husband was military and he was stationed here. So I moved to Oklahoma and I didn't know anyone and I wanted that kind of atmosphere back. So I joined a skeptics group here and an atheist group here also. And like I, um, they didn't have very many members, so I offered to help <laughs> build them up. So I actually helped build up the skeptics and atheist groups here. Wow. So you're always a natural born of the angelus, yeah. I feel like. We're <laughs> always <laughs> bringing people together. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, that's an awesome thing. Yeah, no, I was in student government, like stuff like that. I've always enjoyed building groups. She's an anthropologist. Very cool. That's what I do. I actually met my husband, who's a Catholic. That's the Catholic connection. (laughs) (laughs) Through um, when I started that skeptics group. I'm sorry, I didn't start it. I just helped build it up. I put them on meetup.com, which got a ton of people to start coming to these skeptics in the pub meetings. But at the time, you could create three groups with one 
count. So I started a couple of other groups, and one of my other groups is where I have met my husband. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And so was he kind of reluctant knowing you were an atheist, or did he care, or how was that? Uh, I think it probably weirded him out, but, you know, really. So, yeah. <laughs> we just didn't really talk about it. Yeah. Um, like, once we, we got together really fast, and um, got married really fast and all that stuff. So you met your current husband in one of these groups, and you said you guys got together very fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. So when in your relationship did you start thinking, well, Catholicism doesn't sound so bad? <laughs> I actually bugged him constantly from the beginning, <laughs> like wanting to know why he believed, and, and he didn't want to talk about it because you know, he knew I was a fervent atheist mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I'd been in these skeptics groups and things, and he didn't I knew it wasn't going to change his mind. Mm-hmm. I thought I could change his mind, so I really wanted to talk about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I kept kind of pushing it, and he just kept pushing it off. And um, I think it was with our first son, before he was born, I was asking, okay, are you going to want to get our kids baptized? Because I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's like, well, yeah, I kind of kind of always thought my kids would be baptized. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll plan the party. Yeah, right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, it's kind of this weird thing. Like I said, my anthropology background is like, well, I'm not going to antagonize him. I want to respect his culture, you know, his mm-hmm. religion. Yeah. I don't want to raise my kids this way, but if I could, you know, I, but I also want to be kind and I want to respect him. Yeah. So um, I, I decided, okay, we'll get the kids baptized, but I don't want to raise them Christian, but we'll get them baptized. Mm-hmm. Huh? Um, and so I had to take a baptism class, but I honestly don't remember that very much. Um, and we got him baptized, and we had the party and all that, and I didn't really think on it all that much. And it was a couple of years later that the RCIA director at that church, it was St. Eugene's, mm-hmm. um, she mentioned to my mother-in-law that I should check out RCIA and, you know, just to learn. And so my mother-in-law told my husband that, and my husband told me that. <laughs> I was annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I was trying to be like, not, you know, I'm not really interested. But in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to change my mind. They're just trying to, you know, I don't know what's the word. They're just trying to convince me. Here. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, I don't want to be pushed into this. No one was pushing me. It was yeah. just a suggest- suggestion to learn more. And then, so I got pregnant with my second son. And after he was born, so he was born in December 2018. And it, yeah, it was January 2019 that the Reproductive Health Act passed in New York. And, you know, where they could have abortions through all nine months of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard about that through my husband's Catholic aunt. Um, through Facebook she was posting about it and that just shocked me because you know I was pro-choice firmly pro-choice like used to post about you know I support Planned Parenthood and all this Uh stuff Um, and I had just had a baby and I followed through nine months of watching my apps and watching the growth Mm -hmm. and seeing ultrasounds and feeling and move and kick and hiccup it's like I knew he was alive you know while I was pregnant Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just kind of be, it came to me as like a duh moment. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I finally connected the two concepts. You know, I hadn't thought about it with my first pregnancy because I wasn't thinking about abortion. You know, yeah. no one brought that up. <laughs> right. So I finally just connected the dots, and I was just horrified that they're doing that. It's like, well, I thought it was just a clump of cells. You know, what do you mean you're 
you can do this through all nine months of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pretty quickly converted to pro-lifeism still as an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, that really opened my mind to like, okay, well, what else am I wrong about? <laughs> and I started really like listening to other perspectives a lot more than I used to and starting to agree with people that I used to almost hate. (laughs) Was there a pro-life influencer or or person that you started to really follow during that time? Uh, Yeah, actually, live action. Lila Rose. I joined the live action ambassador group. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) They have a group called Live Action Ambassadors. It's a private group on Facebook and you have to apply to get in and it's just like a support group supporting each other and sharing resources and stuff like that. And that's how I met Alicia. Because <laughs> she was in that group too. And I saw her posting asking people if they wanted to go around and show like abortion procedures videos in OKC. And I was like, no, I don't, but hi. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm not ready to do that yet. But, <laughs> but I want to know you. And I'm like, that's really cool that there's someone around here who who has the same passion, and I started kind of like Googling, trying to figure out like where are the pro-lifers around here, and I, I just really struggled to find anyone. Sorry. <laughs> that was like right right before you started, I think. Yeah, we we found each other around the same time. Yeah. We were all looking for yeah, exactly. a pro-life community. Well, so I started a pro-life community on Facebook, just wanting to bring people together, and I started, um, I found the 40 Days for Life website, and I started messaging them through that. And saying, hey, I've got this Facebook group if you all want to join. Mm-hmm. And I think through a chain of people who, you know, someone knew that, you know, they invited people who invited people. Um, I then met Beth, who is Annie's mom, mm-hmm. and one of my closest friends. I love her so much. <laughs> She's the best. Yeah. Um, she, so she, like, really kicked off the pro life community. <laughs> she invited everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I had invited like eight people. <laughs> I mean, Beth really got it started. And so I invited her to be a moderator. Anyway, so, um, okay, so I invited Beth to be a moderator of the pro life community. So she was my first, so we were like, our, our, that was the first admin team, was me and Beth, um, strategizing and talking about it. And I started talking to her about my faith stuff as well. And that, I guess we've kind of gotten off track because all this is kind of happening at the same time—the mm-hmm. pro-life stuff and the Catholic stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's usually how God. That's, that. that's kind of like how God works, though. Like yeah. he, he works where you're at. So. Yeah. Uh, well, so I started talking to Beth, just like messaging with her on Facebook. We met in person a couple times, but I started mostly messaging with her and just telling her a little bit about my history, and she was just so supportive and. So nice. <laughs> She's amazing. Well, I know that I met you at one of Lauren's retreats. Because right. Alicia already knew you through Facebook. And um, so she introduced us. And I had come with a friend of mine from Tulsa. And so I was like, and Alicia's there. So I'm like, okay. And that's how <laughs> you and I first met. And I remember... Um, you were in RCIA, but you hadn't decided whether or not you were going to become Catholic yet. You were still discerning. I was still an atheist at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I emailed Lauren mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I'm an atheist. Can I still come? <laughs> to this day, that is my favorite email I've ever gotten. Really? Ever is saved. Because one day, when you're being, uh, your cause is coming up, it's just, I'm going to say, 
this, I have correspondence. <laughs> no, it, I, I just, it was really fun. It was really fun. Well, that's cool. Cool. I just I went to a theology on tap. I guess I got to backtrack a little bit because um, I was becoming pro life, or I became pro life pretty quickly at the beginning of the year, and we were planning my son's baptism, my second son's baptism, and this time, like I was being really selfish, and I wanted someone from my side of the family to be godparents, um, but like I didn't know all of the rules, <laughs> so I started, like, they started telling me, okay, they have to be Catholic. I'm like, okay, I have some Catholic family, like my mom's side, um, and so I kind of started feeling that out and figuring out who's Catholic, and then, I, you know, I found out that they had to be, like, a Catholic in good standing, like, you know, married in the church and all that kind of stuff, and so I, there ended up being no one from my side of the family that I could have as a godparent, and so we started looking at my husband's family again um and this family's catholic <laughs> and we still struggled and um it's just the people that we were looking at you know they they still have things that they need to take care of you know they mm-hmm. need an annulment or something like that um and so we found we found someone perfect person actually <laughs> we should have thought of her in the first place she's my husband's goddaughter <laughs> one of his goddaughters mm-hmm. is now the godmother to my second son um, but this whole th- process made me feel like, okay, I need to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be dealing with Catholics, <laughs> Catholic events and things like this, then I feel like I need to know. And I need to know what are my kids going to be learning mm-hmm. from family members and stuff like that. Like Because I was concerned. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I had this idea of Christians as being, you know, indoctrinated from childhood. Mm-hmm. And like a negative association. Mm-hmm. I thought Christianity was bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially after reading all the new atheism books mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for RCIA, but that was that was like in April or May that I signed. I decided to sign up, and the classes didn't start till August. <laughs> and I can't wait. I'm impatient, so I just started researching. And we have YouTube now. I didn't have that, uh-huh. you know, or it wasn't popularized back in college. So, you know, I started watching apologetics things um, and learning all about Catholicism. And then also, like, I was really missing the community aspect of the skeptics in the pub. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't go back to the skeptics. Um, they're kind of attached to my ex-husband, and it, it was weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so my husband said, well, there's this thing called theology on tap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he Love mentioned theology. And I'm like, what's that? Cool. <laughs> you mean a group of people that get to talk, get together and talk? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he's like, well, you could check the church that's closest to us. Um, like, we had had our kids baptized at St. Eugene's. Mm-hmm. It was kind of far from us. So um, he's like, St. John's is really close. You could see if they're doing anything. And so I looked him up, and there was a Theology on Tap mm-hmm. coming up. And it was a pro-life Theology on Tap. Wow. <laughs> so... Um, one of the actors from the movie Unplanned was going to be there to speak. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's go check this out. This should be interesting. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm pro-life now, and I want to talk about this stuff. And I want to get to know these people. Um, and so we went and, you know, circled the building, trying to find a place to park. And we finally got inside, and there's this big old long line leading into the back room. And so we stand behind this three or four women that are talking and I asked one I'm like is this the line for theology on tap and she's like yes 
and we just started chatting. She's so nice, so talkative, talked to us the whole time, sat with us, um, and I just loved her, and I loved everyone I met. They were so kind, and, you know, I loved all my skeptics' friends. They were really, they were really cool and nice and interesting, but I felt like these people just had a different kind of joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was really exciting. <laughs> and different kind of energy, much more positive energy. Mm-hmm. So that's what really got me excited about Catholicism. And I just started learning more on my own. And honestly, I think I became a Catholic before I became a Christian. It was like, I just wanted to be Catholic. Because it's like, I just love these people. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that so and actually, the woman that I met was Meg. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had Meg. a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> like, she was so enthusiastic and sat with us. She was uh, great. Meg. Um, yeah, I love her. I think she was holding a baby a lot of the time. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she yeah. <laughs> no, so I texted her when I was in RCIA and I was just like, Would you like to be my sponsor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she accepted. That's awesome. That's really great. What I love about just what you just said right there is sometimes I feel like I I have to reevaluate am I representing the faith well, you know, because you just never know who's kind of getting that impression of Catholicism from mm-hmm. you. When you said, you know, that different kind of joy that's not happiness in, in that sense. It's like a spirit thing. Yeah. It's a Holy Spirit thing. So that's really awesome. Very, very, very different. Yeah. And so um, another big thing that happened, which you talked about a little bit, was the Merciful Moment retreat. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I saw it. I think it just was probably in the bulletin or something because it was at yeah, my church yeah. mm-hmm. at St. John's. Um, and so I wanted to go and meet more of these joyful, awesome Catholics. <laughs> um so like I said, emailed and asked if I could come. I just I felt really weird. I felt like everyone was going to hate me. You know, I I thought Christians hated atheists, and maybe it was like a projection thing because we kind of, you know kind of was hateful towards Christians. <laughs> Knowing, I, I knew you were an RCIA. And I knew you had, were still discerning whether or not you wanted to become Catholic when I met you, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that you were still. Uh, you know, considered yourself an atheist at that time. So now that even the fact that Alicia and I invited you to go to adoration with us, <laughs> even as like, and you went, I, I love how open you were to trying things, even though you weren't so sure about them. That trust that we talk about, how we need to trust God. It's, I and mean, I know you probably, you were still kind of like uneasy about going in mm-hmm. but you still trusted alicia and i enough <laughs> yeah. I, I, you just met me and you knew alicia <laughs> through facebook but you trusted us enough to take you somewhere and that's what we talk about when we talk about trusting god and trusting you know where he's leading us and everything and you had that trust but it's just it's really interesting to see through your story how god's been working through you the whole time yeah. it's just you know his timing had to be where you were and yeah that was a big day for me by the way you guys (laughs) you guys had a big impact on me that day because like I was still an atheist I was still calling myself an atheist um but I was starting to notice things weird things I called them coincidences I started writing them down in a journal that I just called my journal of coincidences (laughs) it morphed into a god moments journal later on (laughs) later to be titled her saints memoirs But I just started noticing crazy things. Like, um, one of the things was uh, 
I was listening. I, I had started listening to Christian music. I was really trying to immerse myself. <laughs> and I started listening to Christian music on the radio. And so I was listening to it on the way to retreat. And the song, um, The God Who Stays, came on. And so that was in my head during your retreat. And there was a, there was a point in your, in your speech, call it a speech, I don't know, <laughs> your presentation. Um, there was a point during your presentation where you repeated the phrase, God stays. God stays, like a few times, <laughs> and I was just like, it like really perked me up, and I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> it just felt like I was being sent a message, mm-hmm. and there were like there were a few moments like that during the retreat, um, and then when in Stacy, you got there a little later, so that was after I told the table I was an atheist, so <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, oh, she's gonna hate me when she finds out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you guys wanted to go to the Adoration Chapel, and I remember asking. Alicia asked me, do you want to come with us? And I'm like, sure. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue what that was. I knew, like, I knew what the Eucharist was and all that from my research. Um, I didn't know the host was kept in a chapel for, you know, perpetual adoration for prayer. Um, So it's not like I was totally lost when she told me what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. But it was a brand new experience. And I was fascinated. So, like, I went in and... You know, I just kind of sat there and thought. I don't even remember if I prayed or not. Cause I, mean, I think I was trying to get myself to pray by that mm-hmm. point to see if it would work. But just uh, thinking about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist during that, and just like, wow, these people like really believe. They really believe in this. <laughs> um, and so that had an impact on me. And then after that, I got addicted to the chapel. Like, I started going every chance I could get. I don't know what it was because it's not like I felt comfortable there. It wasn't, like, I wouldn't say it wasn't peaceful, but, like, I'm such an anxious person, and going to new places that I'm not familiar with where there might be people around makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) And so it's not like I was drawn there because it was comfortable. Something was drawing me there still. So, like, every time I went to RCIA, I would go, you know, either before or after. Sometimes I would just randomly stop by the church to go and pray there. And so I think that was a big, big thing that you guys did for me. <laughs> so thank you. So, um, I'm listening to your story. I'm so amazed at how you just, you don't even know it's the Holy Spirit that's, like, guiding you during this time. You're just like, oh, I'm, I'm drawn, so I'm going. Or, you know, like, I'm trying to pray, so here I am. I'm going to do this. And I feel like you recognize the activity of the Holy Spirit in those actions more than a lot of us do, probably, really? that have been, you know, it, we were like, is that the Holy Spirit? And we push him to the <laughs> side, but you're just like, I'm on this journey. And it's, a, it's this amazing openness that I think is... In listening to your story, Tiffany, it's just so amazing how you are acting on the Holy Spirit's promptings, and you didn't even know that that's the Holy Spirit, but you're just so open on this journey that you are following wherever he leads. And I feel like that for, for me, sometimes I sit here and I feel like I'm a loser that I'm ignoring some of the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but listening to you, just being so open to be led on this journey is really inspiring. Something that I thought was so beautiful as I listened to your story, kind of from start to finish, are all these little ways that I can see God moving in your life, even from the time you were a little kid, mm-hmm. all the way 
to up until now, you know, um, the fact that you were moved away from that town where that occult influence yeah, was really a cloud over your life um, that probably felt terrible to you. Your parents had no idea that was a gut thing, but indeed it was. <laughs> the fact that you met the people you met when you met them, the fact that you were in a degree by its very nature encourages immersion in a culture, and it was that skill that you used to return to the church by immersing yourself in that culture, yeah. um, like a true anthropologist. <laughs> you know? So I think it's just uh, so beautiful to see how God has just quietly stood beside you, letting you be you, letting you fall, letting you stumble, but safely... But but coming behind and always, he was. It's almost like he was always there. So when you say I am the God that stays, he did indeed yeah. stay mm-hmm. through all of it. Even though I know there were probably heartbreaking times where you did not feel his presence or think that he yeah. cared about you. Um, that's the hardest part of reconciling this, you know, in spiritual direction. One of the tools that we ask is go back to the parts of your life where there was trauma. Where was God? Mm-hmm. And that you know, it's a healing process that we go through, um, and I'm sure you'll 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 encounter that as you go deeper into your interior life and as you begin to grow more. But um, I just think I'm so once again I'm, I'm invigorated by your story. I'm invigorated by everything, all the little things that you said and didn't say, and the way that you approach the faith. Like Noel said, is incredible. The yeah. fact that what you was joy. You do you hear me, listeners? Mm-hmm. We all should be so convicted by that. That the very people who brought somebody from a disbelief in God, the very thing I mean that brought someone from a disbelief in God to conversion, wasn't in fact all the study of every world religion and combing all the knowledge and all the <laughs> apologetics. What changed was the joy that allowed God to communicate Himself to you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm seeing. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally... No, maybe I'm totally autobiography, but I just... You need to come do a guest post on my blog. Better than I could. Can I borrow that phrase that you said, a different kind of joy? Yeah. Because I've been looking for a title for my own blog. That's what I want it to be. I just think So what was your experience like finally going through the sacrament? getting to receive the sacraments, what was that for the first time? Because a lot of us don't remember the first time that we experienced a sacrament, you know? Uh, well, sometime during this process of our, going through RCIA, um, I stopped calling myself an atheist. I finally, like, the biggest hurdle for me was believing in God. That was the biggest thing. And I didn't even realize it, and it was Beth who helped me realize it because, you know, we were chatting a lot. And I kept calling myself an atheist. And at one point, she's just like, Tiffany, you know, I think it's time for you to start calling yourself a former atheist. <laughs> and I was like, so it got me thinking about it. And it got me back to that, that question that I asked myself before when I went from agnostic to atheist. I was just like, okay, well, I don't know for sure yet, but what do I believe right now? And I realized, well, okay, I guess I do believe in God. <laughs> like, I hadn't even really, like, put it into words yet, but her asking me that just made me actually analyze my current state. Okay, I guess I'm a theist. Um, (laughs) 
But now I need to figure out, do I believe if Jesus is divine? Do I believe all these other things that come, you know, come with that? So <laughs> there were more struggles. But, <laughs> but it was a conversation actually with uh, Meg and Jim on the phone um, that really pushed me over the edge and made me decide that I'm going to join the church. And my final question, it seems silly now, but it was just like, well, I have all these doubts. Does the church want me? Like, can I join still? Because I honestly wanted to see if baptism would affect me and help me believe. <laughs> I wanted to see if confession would work. I wanted to see all these, if all these things would actually have an impact. Um, but it was just like, well, I don't want to be a liar. I've always been like an honest person. It's like, I don't, I don't want to join telling you I believe when I'm not sure if I do. Can I? Um, and Jim said something like, well, Jesus said you need faith the size of a mustard seed. I was like, oh. Okay, I have that. <laughs> and so I, I just, he, you know, he said a lot of other things to me too. You know, honestly, blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> it was like saying things that had come up in my life. But so that's the moment that I decided. And that was in like March, um, early March, right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> I decided to join the church. <laughs> well, it was really cool because like, um, I, I think it was like, March 11th that I talked to, and I journaled all this, <laughs> March 11th that I talked to Meg and Jim and decided to join the church. Um, two days later, March 13th, uh, I was at work, and it was the day before spring break. I work at a university, so we were about to be off for a week, um, and I was at work. Uh, we all had a meeting, which was unusual, in the front room. We were all meeting together, and the lights went out. And it was just dark in there, except for like the windows coming from, you know, it's, we were in the interior of the building. So we kind of like started wandering and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and we discovered that there was, I guess someone hit a power pole down the road and it took out all the power to our work. And they weren't sure if they were gonna be able to get it back on. And so there was talk like, okay, well, should we just stop for the day and go home? Or are we gonna have to come back? And they weren't sure, and I wasn't sure what to do. I was only a few minutes from home, but I felt like I didn't want to go home. So I went to the church, and I went to the Adoration Chapel. Uh, one of the things that Jim had suggested was that I read the Confessions of St. Augustine. And so I had pulled it up on my phone, like on the library app, and hadn't touched it yet. But um, So I sat in the chapel, and I remembered someone telling me that sometimes they read in the chapel instead of pray. <laughs> so I just popped open the book because I didn't know what else to do. And um, the first sentence is something, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something like, how great art thou, Lord, or something like that. And I swear, the day before, I was obsessed with that hymn, um, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art, is that what it is? I had heard it in a movie, and I wanted to hear all the versions, and I was playing it all day. <laughs> and so the next day, you know, to see that line in this book that Jim told me to read, on the day that the power went out and I'm in front of the Blessed Sacrament, it was just all very surreal. <laughs> it was just like, okay, <laughs> did I make the right decision then? It feels like this is a big thumbs up. <laughs> so, so that was pretty cool. Um, but then, of course, that was when they were talking about, well, there's this pandemic happening. We're not even sure if we're going to be remote. We're not even sure if we're going to be going back to work after spring break. Um, and that was the last day that I was at work. Um, before the pandemic really hit hard here and we had to start remote work. And uh, my RCIA classes got kind of weird. Like I think we started doing some Zoom stuff, but 
and I think we skipped a couple sessions, and I was supposed to join the church at Easter, but that got pushed off, and it was like, well, we don't really know when it's going to happen. So, man, it was frustrating to have made the decision to join the church, and like, I was excited to get baptized and see if it was going to do anything to me, <laughs> and they, were, they kept trying to warn me, like, it's not magic, it's <laughs> but I'm just, but I'm like, but what if it helps? <laughs> and so I was, man, it was so hard to wait, but finally got to do the sacraments of initiation on Pentecost Vigil, which was a really cool time to join the church, I think. I got excited and like researched all about Pentecost. And <laughs> so back to your question, you asked, what did it feel like to get the sacraments? Yeah. Um, I think I just was noticing, like, I was expecting, you know, something, you know, I don't know what, <laughs> something glorious and exciting to happen. <laughs> Magic, I guess. <laughs> You know, it wasn't that, and so I was just noticing things, like the senses, like how warm the water was, and I was noticing the taste of the host, and just, I was just kind of waiting for something to happen, I guess, and then, you know, afterwards, we went, and we met up with some people, and I think Father Alex asked me, so how does it feel, and I really didn't know how to answer him, but I had a huge smile plastered on my face all evening, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I realized that later. I'm like, I'm just really joyful now. <laughs> it's like It wasn't like a, a moment where I just went from not happy to happy. It was just kind of like a, or a slow realization that I'm just really joyful now. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about your conversion story, um, but you also have the blog A New Eve. Where did you come up with the idea for your blog? Oh, okay. Um, so I wanted to, like, I was really excited about being Catholic, finally. <laughs> and I wanted to give back, and I really wanted to help with the next RCIA class. Um, so that was kind of my plan, but, you know, talking to my husband and really thinking about it, we realized it was going to be just really hard because um, my youngest son is very difficult to get down to sleep, and that's right around bedtime. Um, so it just wasn't going to work. So I just I was like, okay, I'll take the year off, and maybe next year I'll help. Um, so I was bummed because I really wanted to keep talking to people about it and I really want to keep learning about it and I didn't really know how to do that. There wasn't anything that worked with my schedule. I can't remember what exactly triggered it. I guess I just knew several people who had blogs um, and just one day I was just like, well, what if I start a blog? I mean, that could be a way that I could... Oh, and I guess Beth told me at one point, hey, you should really share your testimony with people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So that was in my mind. I was just like, well, maybe a blog is a way that I can share my testimony and maybe um, keep learning and keep talking about it with people, you know, whoever wants to come and comment and talk about it. Um, and so it could kind of be like an RCA on my own time. <laughs> uh, so that's how that got started. Um, but then I, I realized that it was really, I did that for like six months or so, and it's been awesome. But then I realized, like, I really want more discussion. So I just recently started a set of forums on my website, too. So there's the blog and there's the forums. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. And I'm trying really hard to get people there to, <laughs> to talk and actually have these in-depth discussions. I don't really feel like they're very productive on other social media platforms. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like on my website, that's not as intimidating to start a conversation about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Really delve deep into topics and feel like you're not being judged. Mm -hmm. So um, hopefully I can get more people there. That's awesome. Where can people find your blog? It's a new eve .com. It's 
So A-N-E-W-E-V-E dot com. So get on over there and start some good discussions, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Generate some traffic there. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and I'm just trusting in the Holy Spirit to bring whoever needs to be there to the forums. It doesn't have to be like a massive, there doesn't have to be a ton of people. You know, even if, you know, I keep, people keep telling me, even if I reach one person, it's worth it. And yes. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. We appreciate so having beautiful. It. And so, again, our um, guest today was Tiffany Bryant. She is a blogger for A New Eve. You can check out her blog, or um, she says she's off Facebook, but she's on Smart Catholics, which is a Catholic social media forum. We're just so happy to have her today, and we hope that her story touched some of you and and help you guys see the Holy Spirit working in your own lives. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Please join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.